0141-951-1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Scotland get off to a winning start in Euro 2024 qualifying. It's Spain up next at Hamden tomorrow night and Lauren Shankland has replaced Shea Adams in the Scotland squad. I'm Andrew McLean. Joining me in the studio tonight is Andy Halliday and Hugh Keevans. Andy Halliday wasn't even born the last time Scotland beat Spain in a fully competitive match. World Cup qualifier, 1984. Two goals for Mo Johnson, one for King Kenny Dalgleish. But now it's about today and today's players. And chasing King Kenny Dalgleish is John McGinn. 53 caps, 28 years old, 16 goals and more than halfway towards Kenny Dalgleish's record shared with the one only Dennis Law. Steve Clark celebrated his new contract extension with a lovely little win. First time Scotland have opened up with a Euro qualifying campaign victory since 2006 and I don't think they came more comfortable. Hugh just mentioned the game in 1984. That was the year where Hugh celebrated his 50th birthday. So yeah, it was, congratulations, yeah. Hugh. Nice day it was too. <laughs> yeah, well I think we're right in the sweet spot at the moment because we've got Saturday's game to reflect on. Of course that 3-0 win against Cyprus. So if you've got any thoughts on that we want to hear from you. 01419511025. However, there is also a big game tomorrow the second game of this qualifying campaign and it is the uh, little task of welcoming Spain to Hamden Hugh well listen I think every now and then if you're a Scotland you need a statement result you need something that lifts the entire nation and makes them say wow didn't see that coming the last one I can remember Thierry Henry and the French 2006 victory for Scotland that's what you're in, in the market for tomorrow yeah, it's going to be quite a, a different game from the one on Saturday. Yeah, as I mean, Spain ranked tenth in the world, uh, always known as one of the the top nations. But I don't know. I've got a sneaky feeling. I think it's been a long time since we've had one of these short results. Uh, I feel as if Spain themselves are in that little bit of a, a transition period. I think the squad's a lot different to the one that went to the World Cup. But don't get me wrong; it's going to be a a tough task and. Certainly needs some slight improvements in the the victory against they, Cyprus. They didn't have a great World Cup, did they? No, put out by Morocco. We beat Morocco. I think Well I don't know They looked pretty good <laughs> At the World Cup <laughs> I don't know Anyway Let's hear from you at home 01419511025 Whatever is on your mind Phone in Let us know 01419511025 I know that You know International football Isn't everyone's cup of tea So maybe you've got A, a point on domestic football As well We'd like to hear from you too 01419511025 While you get your calls in Let's do Let's go for the Monday awards I think there's sort oh. of Slimmer pickings than normal Just due to the sort of Lack of games Hugh But let's start with Result of the weekend this is a game of the people for the people. Therefore, I'm going for the team bottom of the championship who won their first trophy for 30 years yesterday. Hamilton Ackies beating Wraith Rovers in the Challenge Cup final. That'll do me. Yeah, big result for the Ackies. We might even hear from John Rankin later on on that one. Andy, result of the weekend? I mean, I've got to go Scotland. And I think any chance you get, you've got to take your home nation. And listen, like I said, it's the first one in start since 2006. And yep, it's against the, the lowest ranked team in the group. But no, listen, 3 0 victory is comfortable, uh, comfortable as it gets for me. Goal of the weekend, Hugh? Well, if you score the goal that wins your club their first trophy for three decades, I don't care what it looked like. Regan Tumulty, Hamilton Ackie's goal scorer. 
That's my man Yeah big big goal Andy I don't get a lot of opportunities to have a wee slide I get Celtic <laughs> these days So I'm going Steven Gerrard's penalty I thought the way he tucked it right into the bottom corner was, was magnificent and uh, like I said, I don't get a lot of chances, so I've got to try and take it when I can. Yeah, yeah that good one. To, good to create it at your house, have you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. That one went down well. I haven't, haven't seen anything about it on social media over no, the past nothing, few no, days. Nothing so. No, nothing. Um, howler of the weekend, Hugh. I'm going for the Hamden pitch. Uh, it, when John McGinn says it's just unsuitable, we have a double header coming up 29th and 30th of April. Falkirk will play Inverness Cali Thistle in this first Scottish Cup final, and then Celtic. And Rangers will have to play the following day on a pitch that will have been cut up like nobody's business 24 hours earlier. I can hear the screaming match already. Howler of the weekend, Andy? I do like Hughes, I've got to be fair, but he's nabbed it in front of me. So I'm actually going to go the referee in the Scotland game. Uh, I'm going to stick to a little bit of a, a players' union. I, I hated his decision to send the boy off in the 95th minute. And I know, oh, listen, was it the benefit of Scotland? It was 3 0, it was the 95th minute. But to give a second booking for. Kicking the ball away in the 95th minute when Scotland are just about to confirm their, their 3-0 victory. I, I, I hated it. Performer of the weekend, Hugh, who was your star man? I'm going for McGinn. Has to be it's a halfway towards, more than halfway towards the record held jointly by Kenny Dalglish and Dennis Law. He's 28. We play an awful lot of international football these days. He must have an outside chance of hitting the 30 mark. Andy? I'll go his midfield partner, uh, Callum McGregor, obviously reaching his, his 50 caps for Scotland. Uh, and I thought there was a number of uh, a good performers on the day. I thought the midfield three all, all, all gelled really well. Obviously, Scott McTominay coming off the bench and making a huge impact. But for me, I thought Callum McGregor was a, a standout performer on his 50th cap. Well, maybe one of these topics is what you want to talk about. 01419511025. Let's hear from you. Let's go straight to the phones, actually, because Ken is in Canvas Lang. Ken, what did you make of the Scotland game on Saturday, first of all? Well, before I go into the game, can I just ask Andy Halliday a quick question? I wonder what this is going to be. Was picking Callum McGregor there your way of trying to appease the Celtic fans after the comment about Gerard's penalty? <laughs> Yeah, that's what, that was what you call tongue in cheek, Ken. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I gathered that. I gathered that. Anyway, I thoroughly enjoyed the game on, on Saturday. Although, I mean, I agree with Andy with the referee, but also those three kicks he didn't give against, uh, for Scotland because they were played as far as I was concerned. But I enjoyed the game. Really looking forward to this, uh, the game tomorrow night. Uh, I think we, we've gone the jury still out. He only had like two saves to make in that game on Saturday. He'll be really tested on Tuesday. And in that respect, I would uh, put on Scott McTominay ahead of, say, Ryan Jack. I think Scott McTominay has proved in the past when he's played in defence that he's good there. And if he has to drop back, because Spain will attack more. That's a given. They'll attack more. And Lyndon Dykes, he'll probably play up in front of his own. Uh, that's what my thoughts will be for Tuesday. Yeah, just over 24 hours until the game, Hugh. People will start picking their own team and uh -huh. their squad selection. Steve Clark, I'm sure, will probably have a clear idea at this point in his head of who he's going to pick. If we go through what Ken said there, he started with Angus Gunn. I think it would be a surprise to anyone, really, if he decided to change his goalkeeper going right. into this game. But this is a, a very different test for Angus Gunn, who pretty much had nothing to do on his debut. But it'd be an even bigger test of Xander Clark or Liam Kelly to make their international debut against Spain. Friday night's programme I was on here with Kenny Miller and the number of people who said oh if they don't get a regular game for their club they shouldn't be in the team 
And now Scott McTominay has disproved that theory And many players did Kieran Tierney, outstanding Stuart Armstrong had a very good first half Players who don't get a regular game So that one has been thrown out the window I'd be reluctant to tweak McGregor and Jack Why, you know, they've done so well Why tweak it now? I'd leave I suppose them. Ken's just saying the impact that McTominay had when he came off the bench, scored a couple of goals, offered something different, but of course, you know, Cyprus yeah, well, were playing differently at that point as well. They were more open at that point. Spain offer something far different from Cyprus, uh, who were very moderate opposition. I'm not against McTominay coming in from the start, but I'd leave Jack and McGregor where they are. What do you think, Andy? How is that midfield going to set up? Because it's going to be a key area against a, a Spain team that are going to want to try and pass Scotland off the park. Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, I don't think Steve Clark will have huge headache selections going into the game because I do think you know nine or ten of the, of the starting eleven pretty much picks itself, especially after the Cyprus game. But I thought the balance between McGregor, uh, McGinn, and Ryan Jack was really, really good. Uh, and I think Ken's right to bring up McTominay. I actually thought the impact of Ryan Christie and Lyndon Dykes coming off the bench as well. I thought they made a real positive impact coming onto the pitch but I, th- I just think the balance between Ryan Jack and, and Cal McGregor worked very very well uh, and of course you know, I think Steve Clark mentioned in his, his, uh, his press conference that Scotland are going to have to be very patient without the ball but need to be really positive in it as well and I think that's one thing that I thought Ryan Jack and Cal McGregor done very very well in the first half I thought they showed composure when they had to but I thought both of them were more than willing to drive into the box make third man runs running behind and try and pen- uh, penetrate when they can as well so I wouldn't be disappointed uh, to see the same 11 except from obviously Lyndon Dykes coming in for Che Adams but I also wouldn't be surprised either to see Scott McTominay come in Yeah Ken is that just a straightforward one in terms of Lyndon Dykes coming in for Che Adams is there a, a change of shape up there at all of course it was Armstrong and McGinn were the two that were supporting Adams at the weekend with Adams out would you just see it a straight swap for Dykes yeah? Yeah a straight swap but can I just say, when I was talking about Scott McTomin, I mean, he was saying about him going forward, scoring those goals. I was meaning from a defensive side, because Spain will attack more. And I just think McTomin is more defensive-minded than um, Ryan Jack is. You know, so it wasn't against, anything against Ryan Jack's pushing forward or anything. I just think uh, Andy used the word balance, and that's important. Uh, I think at the back of his mind, Steve Clark would be in agreement with Andy that that's important And you've got um, McGinn McGregor Jack Where they ought to be uh, I think defensively There's not a lot wrong with us And it, it was a tremendous Show of strength And depth For a change When uh, When we lost uh, Aaron Hickey And replaced him With Nathan Patterson You know You're talking about Players who Serie A Now both In the English Premier League so I think defensively we're looking okay. It was something that Tamuri Kitzbaya, the Cyprus manager, actually pointed out post-match. He said, look, Scotland have the quality to have a Manchester United midfielder on the bench to be able to come off and make an impact. And it does show the options that Steve Clark has at his disposal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I've said it for the last sort of couple of seasons, to be honest. I think it's as strong a Scotland squad as I can remember. Uh, and, and, and listen Lewis Ferguson the amount of plaudits he's had uh, in Syria this year another one that's not I don't even think he's made a cap yet or, or if he has it's only one or two Josh Doyle's getting a lot of praise uh, in Syria as well can't make the squad I think we've got a lot of strength and depth in a, in a lot of positions if you're looking at the sort of negative side the one thing I've, I've always said is I just don't think we have that one world class talisman that one attacker like Gareth Bale's been for Wales Ryan Giggs like Robbie Keane's been for Ireland 
but to be fair, John McGinn's fast becoming that man because oh. you know, 22 goal involvements uh, since uh, Steve Clark got the job. And you know, it's quite funny because you read that he's not scored a goal for 48 games for Aston Villa, but when he seems to pull on that, that blue of Scotland, he just turns into a different player. Yeah, Ken, what about the, the impact of John McGinn? Another goal for him, he's now up to 16 for Scotland. Oh, I mean, that guy, I think, by the time he ends, he's going to be only near, near 40, probably. You know, he's just, you know, if he was if he was missing, then the Scotland fans would be worried, I think, you know. But him playing the way he is, the sky's the limit as far as Scotland fans are concerned. I mean, a victory against Spain with him scoring, scoring at least one goal is, I don't think, an impossible dream. I'm not going to stand here and tell Unai Emery how to do his job, but are you maybe surprised that John McGinn hasn't played a, a more sort of attacking role at, at club level, just given how well it's worked under Steve Clark? Yeah, more advanced. I actually think he, he has a couple of times recently, and I think they've actually been talking about a sort of upturn in his performances. Uh, not quite added the goals to, to domestic football that like he has for his country, but listen, he, he's a player that's been down to the English Premier League straight from Hibs. Uh, and, and perform very very well uh, in the championship getting them straight promoted into the Premier League I think he got player of the year in his first season in the in the Premier League as well so he's been, he's been a fantastic player and a fantastic servant for Scotland I think you always look at the sort of talisman for, for, for the national side I think James McFadden was that for a number of years and I think John McGinn's fast becoming everyone's fans favourite for the national team Yeah I think the stats back up Hugh I, I said a start at half time which has slightly changed because of what happened in the second half but under Steve Clark, no Scotland player has made more appearances for the national team uh-huh. under him scored more goals or at that point provided more assists but he's now been overtaken by Andy Robertson after the second half but when you talk about talisman the word that Andy used there that that is just John McGinn for the Scotland side yeah you, you know you can't have a side without him being in it you know as long as he's uh, fit and healthy then he's written down by the manager the first name on the list uh, can't be any other way you've got 16 goals Um it's amazing that Dennis Law, who you know stopped playing football nearly fifty years ago, uh, and uh, Ken Dalglish, who stopped playing a long time ago as well, they're still there, record holders of the the goal scoring thirty goals, the pair of them. But John McGinn has an outside chance. He, he, he's got five good years international football. Well, in fact, that's 16 goals and 53 caps, so that's yeah. basically a goal every three games anyway, so yeah. who knows, like you said, I think he's only 28, so you'd like to think he's still got another sort of five, six years at the top level in, in Scotland's national team, so I've no doubt that he's seen that, and he's got one eye in that in the back of his head, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, well, time will tell. We'll see how John McGinn gets on on the goal-scoring chart. Certainly not bad at the moment. Thank you to Ken 01419511025. Let's hear from you, whether it's reflecting on that win against Cyprus at the weekend, whether you want to look forward to the game against Spain as well. Let's hear a bit from Steve Clark actually, just on what he made of that performance on Saturday. It's been a while since we had a good start in a European qualifying campaign. I think somebody said it was 2006, since the last time we won a quali- an opening qualifier. So I've mentioned that. Uh, I think it's always good to get off to a, a fast start. Cyprus is a good team. I know Tamuri. Uh, Tamuri gets by their coach. I, I worked with Tamuri at Newcastle. His teams are always good, well organised. They had a good result. Last friendly game they played, they went to Israel and won 3-2. We know how difficult it is to go there. So we expect a tough game. That clearly was a clip that was from before the game that I think right. has been labelled wrong there. I've just noticed halfway through. But he, but he, he was talking there about the that. fact that getting off to 
a good start is is massive and Scotland have done that yeah there's no downside to a 3-0 victory at home that gets you off the mark however let's keep a sense of perspective Cyprus were very modest opposition I don't think that Spain are anything like the team of 10 years ago nothing like but they will still present far more formidable opposition than Cyprus did so there will need to be an upgrade in performance from Scotland yeah how big in that Sort of jumping performance Will there need to be From Scotland Based on what we saw On Saturday Going into tomorrow night Yeah Definitely I I thought The first half in particular Was as comfortable uh, A Scotland performance As I've seen Without being spectacular I don't really think Cyprus sort of Posed any threat But I th- what I will say Is I think you see A lot of What Steve Clark's been Working on with the Scotland team in Within that game Because uh, although I do think at times They were sort of patient Out of possession They were compact You can see they would Try and trigger on a press out wide That came for the Aaron Hickey uh, chance I think it comes for the Second goal as well uh, And I think that's really important Going into the Spain game Because I think I just think if you're going to sit deep and try and frustrate Spain for 90 minutes, I think you're just waiting to lose. I think they do have, although they're not the same side as you know the 2012 uh, European champions, they've certainly got a lot of players that can hurt you. So I think Scotland will certainly have to have a clear game plan on how to frustrate at times, but certainly try and make an impact the other end of the field as well. 01419511025, give us a call now and you can be up next. The voice of Scottish football. Call 0141-951-1025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Andy Halliday and Hugh Keevans here with me, Andrew McLean, on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Before the break, we heard from Kenny. Had a few ideas of what he wants to see Scotland do against Spain tomorrow night. If you've got some thoughts of your own, 0141-951-1025. I did say before the break we were going to hear what Steve Clark made of the game on Saturday. Let's hear that clip now. Good start to the group, three points, uh, some good things, and and some things that are not so good that we have to get a little bit better at. But overall, no, very pleasing. Nice to start the the group with a, what looks like a comprehensive home win with a three 0 scoreline. Let's start with the positive. First thirty minutes, I thought we were outstanding. I thought the rotation with, within the pitch, the movement on the pitch, on both sides, really good. Robertson, Hickey getting forward, Tierney stepping in for the back, Ryan Porter stepping in for the back. Short Armstrong picking up good positions running with the ball. I thought I thought we were really good for 30 minutes, and then I, I just felt we got a little bit we got a little bit sloppy, a little bit casual, maybe on the pitch. And I said to them at halftime, maybe you feel it's too easy, but it's not because the scoreline says it's not. And second half was just about trying to pick up the moment, momentum we had in the first 30, and, and maybe it took us a little bit longer to do that than we should because you're always looking for the second goal in a game like that because you know the second goal can. Is probably the crucial goal. I mean, Steve Clark could have ended it there and said, you know, 3 0, yeah. three goals, didn't concede, very happy with it. But he goes on to mention a few things that he thinks they can do better, which is just showing that, you know, he's, he's always striving for more. And so he should. Any manager should. Scotland beat Cyprus 3 0. Spain beat Norway 3 0. We're on top of Group A on alphabetical order. <laughs> Now we have to be word perfect against the Spaniards tomorrow. Uh, much room for improvement, but very talented players within our squad. It promises to be quite the occasion. Let's go back to the phones. 01419511025. That's the number Simon N. Kilmarnock has dialed. Simon, what are you thinking tonight? Hi, guys. Hope these are all well. Um, you too. 
I really enjoyed the game actually on on Saturday. It was a bit of a weird atmosphere, Andrew. You were you were there. You you might know that yourself. I don't know to be honest whether that's down to the you know only having a few hours of pub time before the game, or whether it was the you know the the actual game itself. But I've never really felt. I've been really that was really really comfortable I can't remember a time being at Hamden watching Scotland where I didn't really feel that Cyprus were going to offer anything really and um, I thought the, the overall performance was just we just did what we needed to do to, to get the three points and when you look at other results that happened over the weekend Denmark losing to Kazakhstan you know it just shows you there's no easy games in international football certainly no easy games at this kind of level and you know to get the 3-0 the, you know, result and to get the three points on the board was the most important thing going into going into tomorrow Yeah I think as you say Simon I was there as well there, there were at parts where it maybe felt a bit flat inside Hamden sometimes what's happening in the stands is a sort of reflection of what's happening on the pitch maybe it, it was just a case Andy that you know after the first half hour where Scotland was good it, it, it didn't quite kick on at that point until the, the two late goals at the end yeah and I think it probably coincides with well, like Simon says that it was that comfortable for periods of the game and I think well, Steve Clark's assessment of the game was pretty fair uh, you know certainly from what I watched I thought it was pretty spot on I, I think he's maybe been slightly harsh in, in terms of the first 30 minutes because I thought the first 45 as a whole to be honest was, was really comfortable I never felt at any time Cyprus were going to get a goal to come back at the uh, come back into the game, but listen, he's spot on. As as comfortable it may have seen one 0 is never never a comfortable scoreline in football. So it wasn't really until the introduction of Ryan Christie, Scott McTominay, Lyndon Dykes, uh, obviously the latter two uh, playing huge parts in, in, in creating the, uh, the the second goal for for Scott McTominay, and then obviously at the end it's a it's a comprehensive scoreline. But what I will say is, is you know Angus Gunn in Scotland are going to have plenty. Of, Plenty busier nights and uh, I think it's going to start tomorrow night against Spain. Yeah, I think it just proves how comfortable it was for Scotland. I think Angus Gunn had two saves to make and they were both comfortable saves as well. One was in the first half, a left-footed shot that went straight towards him. Later in the game, it was about 85 minutes, there was a deflected shot that he had to go down to his left to get. But that just really shows that Scotland weren't bothered by Cyprus at all. I think if you're not firing on all cylinders and the the opposition is decidedly average it can have the effect of deadening the atmosphere I don't like football in broad daylight anyway I like football under the floodlights with the drama that that brings and tomorrow Simon will be there among the crowd I am certain it's Spain it's the kind of name that if you beat them the country has the feel good factor uh, and the floodlights will be on so it'll be a different matter tomorrow Cyprus were one of the tougher teams to get in that pot but no matter whether it's a, a bottom or side from the bottom pot the international football landscape has changed quite a bit that, that teams that are way down lower in the rankings do make it a lot tougher to, to play against now than they maybe used to yeah and I think you know, even touching on when we played San Marino in the was it the Nations League that you know I don't think San Marino are quite the international side that they were 15 10 15 years ago where they couldn't pick up a point from anywhere unless it was against Scotland and I think it was 2002 uh, sorry that was the Faroe Islands so I, I do think that international as a whole uh, as a whole has improved but I think as well looking at it into perspective when Steve Clark you know, takes over the job in Nations League C and I watched much drab performances than I watched on Saturday for as comfortable and, and comprehensive we, as it was so I think we're in a good place at the moment Yeah but we're not in a position to look down our noses at a 3-0 home win but just keep a sense of perspective There were good parts of our game There were average parts of our game But it came under the job done category And now tomorrow You can measure yourself against one of the European 
elite. Simon, moving on to tomorrow, have you got any thoughts in terms of team selection? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just before I go into that, the actual team selection, I just want to say thanks to SFA who released a few extra tickets, a couple of handful of tickets today, because I managed to get two extra ones and my gran, she's almost turning 80 and she's not felt comfortable going enough to the football yet since COVID. She's a big Scotland fan, so managed to give my tickets to my mates who have happily taken them. And I'm going to get to sit with my gran at the football tomorrow. She's the one who used to take me to Scotland games when I was younger. So it'll be a real special moment tomorrow. So hopefully she's not listening because uh, <laughs> that'll just ruin her surprise. But um, in terms Don't of worry, the, Simon. We won't tell anyone. It's fine. No, nah, it's fine. In terms of the, the game tomorrow, um, I think Ryan Jack will come out. Um, he was fine at kind of ball winning on Saturday, but had a look at the stats after the game and he had the, the worst passing percentage or accuracy in the Scotland team. Um, we don't need that on tomorrow. We need we need somebody who's going to keep the ball better. Um, he doesn't get into the positions for me that McTominay does get the two goals late on either. So I think McTominay comes in for him. I think that's a, a pretty easy decision. I think Christie will come in for Armstrong. I would like to try and see a, fit a place in for Billy Gilmore, but I'm not sure how you do that in the midfield. You're certainly not going to drop McGinn or McGregor. At the, and up front, actually, there's a little bit of me that thinks he might throw a bit of a wild card and put Jacob Brown in, who's a bit faster, a bit more pace over the top, as a maybe a better out ball to try and you know get that ball over the top because Spain play with a really really high line. I'm not sure Dykes, if Spain play with that high line tomorrow, whether Dykes will be able to get in behind as well. So I think it, it might actually be Jacob Brown, but. I'm really looking forward to the game, as I say, and I actually think, you know, watching Spain-Norway, neither side really made me, you know, terrified. I wasn't quaking in my boots watching either of them. Spain got a couple of late goals, but, you know, like, as obviously as we did, but, um, yeah, just really looking forward to it. I actually think tomorrow could be one of those special Hamden nights, as Hugh says, under lights, and, you know, if there's a man who's going to do it against a bigger team, it's Steve Clark. We'll go through those, Andy. Um, in terms of Simon's selections because he talks about whether it's going to be Jacob Brown or Lyndon Dykes he said it would maybe be the pace of Jacob Brown is there a sort of debate to be had whether when you're playing against a team like Spain do you go for the pacey striker up top or do you go for someone like Lyndon Dykes who may be able to hold the ball up as a threat at, at set pieces which Scotland might need to make the most of I think it's a fair argument but one thing I've noticed with Steve Clark is he's very very fair and loyal to the players that have, have done him well so I think instead of going for the the sort of pace of the direct argument, I think we'll go for the tried and trusted argument. I think Lyndon Dykes has been a, you know, a mainstay whenever he's uh, since he's made his his international debut for Scotland, and I do firmly believe that he'll be he'll be given the nod uh, the nod tomorrow night. I think it's quite possible that Jacob Brown could come on and make an impact uh, if the game is needing somebody to stretch the game a little bit. Um, you know, from the the players that Simon did mention about coming in, one that I really don't. Ho- I don't think will happen and, and the reason is I, I really think Stuart Armstrong's legs and ability to run in behind could be a huge, huge asset to Scotland tomorrow night. I think Ryan Christie is a fantastic football player but I think it's one where you know he tries to pick up little pockets of space and sort of play it to, in behind to a, a pacey Jacob Brown, shall we say. But I think Stuart Armstrong's willing legs to run in behind and, and be that sort of presence out of possession as well is a, is a big reason why you, I'd give him the nod again tomorrow. You're discounting the possibility of your own captain, Lauren Shankland, called in the squad. Well, it's funny because I, you know, I, I was speaking to a couple of friends about this earlier on. It's, I think a big thing is, is that I've not really seen Jacob Brown play a lot of football, and I get the obviously the benefit of playing and training with Shanks every single day. And you know, although he's not been included in the original squad, I think going into the game tomorrow night, if if we are one 0 down, if we are needing a goal, I know who I'm bringing on at the two, and, uh-huh. and that's not being biased because I play with we one every single day. But I think. 
I think it's certainly a positive for Scotland that Shanks is back in the in the, uh, in the setup. You know, twenty one goals for his club this season. Um, I think four four caps for Scotland and and, uh, and and one goal as well. So I think if there's a goal to be had tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, see him come, come onto the pitch. Simon talked about the midfield. Does the shape of that midfield change against Spain? Because it was it was more of a box, really, yeah, wasn't it? With, with Jack and McGregor, with McGinn and Armstrong higher up. Does does that need to change? Does there maybe need to be a sort of a flatter three with one ahead yeah, supporting a striker? I think, I think it's interesting to see how they set up in that respect because you know to touch on it earlier when Steve Clark talked about being patient without the ball, which I, I don't think there's any. I think everyone's expecting that but you know if you do fall back into that flat back five and that flat back four it then becomes very very difficult to get up the pitch and then if you've got a Lyndon Dykes who isn't blessed with you know blistered on pace running behind he can become a bit isolated up there as well so I do think there'll certainly be at least one advanced I would like to see his, uh, you know approach with the same setup because you know listen of course Cyprus are a completely different opposition but I still feel as if the sort of balance out of possession was good. I thought they were, they were compact at times, there was a trigger to press at times as well. And listen, I do think you know, we should have some sort of, some type of go. And of course you've got to be wary of, of Spain's threats, but being the home side and, you know, with, a, with obviously ambitions to get this big result with the 1984 game yep. that Hugh, uh, Hugh was talking about, I would like to see us take a positive approach. Well, thank you to Simon. I hope you and your gran enjoy the game tomorrow I night. I hope she's got a warm coat. <laughs> I hope so as well, actually. But thank you to you. Uh, let's go back to the phones. 01419511025. David is in West Lothian. David, what's on your mind? How are you guys? You all right? Yep. All good, David? David. Uh, yeah, I thought Saturday, you say, it was very comfortable. You're, you're right with your analysis. I thought it was really good. We never felt threatened at all. I thought, um, as you said, the... The game was that easy with regards to um, no threat for the Cypress. Sorry, that it did reflect on the stands. I thought the atmosphere was was pretty flat and pretty pretty poor. Um, I think tomorrow will be obviously completely different. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it will be uh, a great atmosphere. I think the, the crowd will be up for it. I think we need to play our part. Absolutely, we need to get behind the team. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think, as you say, under the lights. Spanish coming to town. I just think uh, it could be it could be pretty spot on. It could be excellent. It could be, it could be a great night. Yeah, David talks about the the crowd getting behind. I, I think that just comes more naturally to a crowd, doesn't it? When it's a game under the lights, a big opponent in Spain, you would expect the atmosphere just to be up a notch, and it was on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, with the greatest respect, if Ross County, for example, go to Celtic Park or Ibrox, the atmosphere is not the same as Andy Haldy coming with Hearts to Celtic Park or. Uh, Aberdeen going to Ibrox it, it it just makes for a better atmosphere tomorrow it's under the lights it's a full house it's one of the European aristocracy Spain they might not be the Spain of 10 years ago but nevertheless to take their scalp for Stevie Clark at the beginning of this European qualific- qualification campaign would be a tremendous result for him so everything about it points to the atmosphere and the game being far superior to what took place on Saturday. How much can a crowd help in a night like that? Massively. I, I think especially the Tartan Army and what they've brought to, to Scotland over the years. You know, the, One of the best performances I've seen Scotland produce uh, you know, since my time supporting them was probably the, the game against Denmark last year. And uh, you know, Denmark were on a major unbeaten run themselves uh, obviously they were already qualified for the campaign but it was a huge night for us and I thought the atmosphere on the day I just I don't think when the atmosphere was that much I don't think they allowed the Scotland players to settle for a minute 
you know, I think if Scotland are, are to be successful tomorrow night, not only does it need a big night from the pitch, but it needs a big night from the stands as well. And listen, there's nothing that gets the crowd going like a, a good old-fashioned Scotland tackle, and I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities at that tomorrow night. David, you mentioned that the crowd maybe wasn't as, as loud as you'd hoped for, but the fact that there was a, a sellout, a full crowd for a game against Cyprus, you know, the opening qualifier, does that show just how far Steve Clark has managed to take this team? I've seen videos of the last time Scotland played Cyprus and Steve Clark's first game in charge. There's a lot of empty seats behind the goals. When you see the replays of those, it, it shows the sort of connection that the Scotland team now have with the supporters. Absolutely. I think we've got his back at 100%. I think his um, his team selection. There was no sort of, oh, he should be in, he shouldn't be out. He's got his team spot on. Yes, the formation. Everybody's sort of thinking, oh, we were defensive against uh, Cyprus. But as you said, there's no easy game, is there? And we got a three 0 You're a bit your hand off for a three 0 at the start of the game, considering the, the last time we played them. But I think um, he probably had that formation. That's, that's his favoured one, and he's probably sampled it a wee bit to make sure we're going to be right for uh, tomorrow night as well. I mean, he's probably. Ensured he's got a balance in there. I don't think there'll be that many changes. Obviously, the fourth one up front. Um, but I can't see that much change. I wouldn't surprise me if he still keeps Jack in there as the ball winner. I know the guy before mentioned about his pass rate and all that. I get that. The McTominay came on and made a difference. But I think he's he's came there. He's got the team together. He's picked his best 11 for Cyprus. Probably with the, the, the Spanish game being the, the main thought anyway. So I wouldn't surprise me if the, the, the rest of the team stays the same. Well, thank you to David. If you've got any thoughts on Scotland or on anything else you want to chat about tonight, 01419511025. 01419511025. This is Scottish football's league leader, Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Andy Halliday and Hugh Keevans with me, Andrew McLean, in the studio for Super Scoreboard tonight, reflecting on Scotland's win against Cyprus on Saturday, and of course, looking forward to that big one at Hamden tomorrow. Looking forward to that against Spain. Let's go straight back to the phones 01419511025 William is in Craig End William uh, what were you what are you thinking ahead of tomorrow how you doing good evening guys uh, I think so I think Cloud should change it up a wee bit I know he won't but I think uh, I think he should go 4-3-3 four th- four, three, three. I think that's and Hugh's already touched on it uh, this Spain side under the side that won the World Cup you know they've not got the Iniesta's they've not got the dead David Beers these kind of players, you know, so I think this Spain side are more in a transition where Clark, I think Clark can take advantage of that because we've got a settled side, you know, but as I say, I think I think you should go 4-3-3-3 three, three, three and uh, dress them to the front, you know, I think their weakness is, is, their, back, is their back four, you know, so uh, I don't know what the guys think of that. I know when maybe Clark won't, won't go that way and they maybe stay, stay with a the box, but I would stick Jack in front of a back four, put McGregor and McTominay in either stadium, and uh, the three up front for me would be probably Armstrong, uh, Dykes, and uh, obviously McGinn on the other side, so all pressing. So I think that's the way Scotland should go. It should be a, for me, it should be a, like a in your faces performance. Uh, don't let good players, don't let get good players get space on the ball and, and play play that way do you know I, I don't know what the guys think of that but I think that's the way this Scotland should go Could you see a change of formation tomorrow? No no I can't see it I think it's been you know, Steve Clark's favoured possession uh, favoured uh, formation as a coach never mind just as a Scotland manager uh, I fully expect him to take the same approach tomorrow night uh, but you know I, I agree with uh, some aspects of what William's saying I don't think 
listen, I, I don't want to see a gung-ho approach because a team like Spain can pick you off and really punish you, but I would like to see us have a, a clear game plan on how we can hurt Spain. And, uh, you know, we've, we've touched on it. I'm not the team they were 10 years ago, but, I mean, you've still got to expect, uh, uh, respect the likes of Alvaro Morata and Danny Olmo and Javi and, and, uh, and Rodri and players like that. So uh, I don't think there'll be a change of formation, but I do fully expect that Steve Clark, I, I think he touched on it in his interview as well, that he's he's gone into every game as a coach or a player since he was 17, wanting to win and expecting to win. So I think, and that being said, I do think they'll have a game plan to try and hurt Spain. As you said earlier, you know, you, you, you want to see Scotland being as positive as possible. I, I, the, the crowd are looking for that, not gung-ho, but front foot. Andy said earlier, if we, we sit back, we'll get picked off eventually. So let's under those lights, with that crowd, take it to them uh, in a way that is sensible without being irrational. Uh, and let's see if it's possible uh, to get that statement result that I was speaking about earlier on because Stevie Clark, if you examine his time as Scotland manager, it's all very good. He's got the extension to his contract. But that brings a pressure of its own because if Scotland don't do well in this qualification campaign, people will say, well, why did you extend these contract before the competition had even started? Is it not more the case that you should be doing that after you find out how he does in the qualification campaign? So Stevie Clark's got pressure of his own to handle. And we just need, I think, a result that makes everyone say, incidentally, what a great job he's doing. Whenever people have this debate about formations, you see people that are against the sort of three at the back, five at the back, because they think it's more defensive than playing with four at the back and essentially two central defenders instead of three. But when you look at the Scotland team on Saturday, you had Andy Robertson at times inside the Cypress box. You had Kieran Tierney further up the park to the left of them. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's a more defensive setup, does it? No, no. I, listen, I, I've always said I think a style of play is more important than a formation, and you can take any freeze frame uh, frame photo within a game when you're in possession, and it might look like a a two three five formation, a four three three, a four four two, a three five two. So I think the style is certainly more important. Scotland have to try and implement their style in the game, and we all know Spain will. They've been a possession based, you know, controlled team for the last sort of two decades and I think that's not going to change uh, and I do think we've seen Steve Clark slowly implement his own style in the Scotland squad I think when he came in it was a lot more robust controlled try to sort of fix what was a leaky Scotland defence at the time and then I think over the last sort of few months we've sort of gradually seen a more attacking intent uh, and now we're you know, we're pitted against one of the big dogs, 10th in the world, Spain, one of the European giants so let's see how we do against them William where are your confidence levels ahead of tomorrow? I'm not pretty confident. I mean, I was at the game. Was at the game for the three-two game. Uh, I think it was Levine's uh, Levine's ten tenure. Uh, I thought uh, Naismith and McGregor obviously had a good night. You know, I think they were they were pivotal, and I think the goalkeeper will be pivotal tomorrow night. You know, but I just think, I mean, you played against any Eastern players like that, you and you're coming away with a three-two, and we were unlucky not to get the the, 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 the draw that night. You know, so. I'm thinking a, a high-scoring draw, and maybe we could nick it, maybe two-one or something. Uh, I think the, the in-game management is important to Clark. You know, I think in the modern game and the in-game management and, and how things are working uh, and how we can change it within the game is, is important. You know, so I think if he looks at it uh, and it's not working and his ability to change it is. 
is important for me, you know. Uh, he's got a gold star and he's Jota for in-game management uh, uh, on Saturday because he brings on McTominay and he scores two goals. Uh, I just think, you know, understand that beating Cyprus was what we should be doing and we did it and it's job done. Understand that Spain will be an altogether different proposition but we should not necessarily be quaking in our boots let's go and see if by going onto the front foot we can actually get the result that people will talk about for a long time to come because we're you know we're talking about France in 2006 or Denmark that Andy Haldy mentioned and I began the show by saying Andy wasn't even born when we beat Spain in a competitive match 1984 39 years Let's go and try and rewrite history after four decades. You know, as William says, we won't be coming up against Xavi, Iniesta, David Villa, but Steve Clark won't be underestimating this Spain team. I think William had said that, you know, the, the weakest part of Spain's side is their back four, or certainly in defence. You look at the, the guys that started their game against Norway, two Real Madrid players, one Manchester City player, one Barcelona player. You know, it, it's still a, a side full of quality. Yeah, it's still elite, and I think you know the Barcelona player is eighteen-year-old Alejandro Baldi. Mm-hmm. Watched a, you know watched a few games that he's been involved in the you know the, the double header against Man United and what a prospect he is as well. But I think I, I know it's so easy to say it, but when you do look throughout the Spain team, I think height. You know, they're they're not blessed with a lot of six-foot-four monsters in their team, uh, and I think. Hugh won't, won't believe this but a lot of teams take the approach of a set piece coach now obviously Austin McPhee is that for Scotland I think over the last few games we've seen Scotland be very very dangerous at set pieces uh, you know John Sutter scored from a few uh, uh, Scott McTominay scored Lyndon Dykes has scored for set pieces and I do think that's going to be a big aspect of the game for Scotland as well and you know I've got a bit of false confidence I've got to be honest I, I, I'm going to go for one each tomorrow I think Scotland will get something oh. Go along with that William well done, and that's what I like to hear. A wee bit of positivity. I think two each, but uh, and maybe two one to Scotland if we can keep them out, you know. But I, I think we've got a good chance tomorrow night. And I think we've, uh, the way Clark's uh, got the team going and what he's done in the last two years is puts us in a good puts us in a good place. And I think we're in, we're ahead of Spain in that regard. With I think they're still in transition. I think they're still trying to build. A team, you know, so I think we're a, we're a couple of years ahead of Spain in that regard, even though they've got better players, you know, if you, if you look at it that way, you know. I will I refrain think. from giving a prediction because we all know what happens. Just predict Spain 3 0. Yeah, just go for an easy Spain win and we can all sleep easy tonight. That's it then, Spain 2 0. go, good stuff. Um, in terms of starters, William, is there any, who are the guaranteed starters for you for Scotland in this game? Guaranteed starter. So I think McGregor. I don't think you can drop McGregor McGinn, You know, but uh, I would, see. I didn't think there was a need to play Jack and McGregor against uh, against Cyprus. I thought I thought it would have went with a Gilmore or a Ferguson. You know, but uh, I think for this game he needs a Jack. I think he needs a Jack and a Gilmore. Uh, he needs a Jack and a, a McGregor. And when McTominay's scoring two goals, I think it's hard to leave him out, you know. So I think that would be my three. Uh, guys, I, I don't think Dykes, I think Dykes is a starter for me as well, you know. I don't think there's anybody else. I think it probably would have been Adams, but I do think, I do think Dykes is, is the main man for me. Well, thank you to William. It's now time for this. Beat the pundit with the Scottish Sun. For the best football news and opinion online, the Scottish Sun. Uk slash football.
beat the pundit time your chance to take on either Andy Halliday or Hugh Keevans for the bragging rights and of course for a signed ball as well as, and answer as many questions as you can correctly and you could win that all you need to do is give us a call 01419511025 make sure you do that before the news at 7 o'clock and you could be up next Tackle the headlines 01419511025 Clyde One Super Scoreboard Hugh Keevans and Andy Halliday in the studio with me, Andrew McLean, and tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. We've been looking back on that Scotland win against Cyprus on Saturday, looking ahead to that big game at Hamden against Spain tomorrow. So we want to hear your calls on those 01419511025. Maybe you've got something else on your mind. Maybe you want to change the topic altogether. We'll hear from you as well on 01419511025. Or you can tweet us at ClydeSSB. But first, it's time for this. Beat the Pundit with the Scottish Sun. For the best football news and opinion online, the Scottish Sun.co.uk slash football. Beat the Pundit time, Hugh. How's your form? Rubbish. I no. lost on the tiebreak Friday night. Didn't even understand the question and uh, gave an answer that left the audience not understanding the answer. Yeah, we did test Andy on that and during the break and he did a lot better. Than, than you did so Much we'll see, better, if, see yeah. if you can bring that form into into tonight Andy if it's you up next I'll do my best my form's been not too bad right up is Darren who's a Celtic fan in Postal Darren have you played before? yeah I've played before Who have you? how'd you get on? Yeah, I bet Kenny Moore oh Kenny's decent as well there we go who, who would you rather play? yeah I'll take Andy oh, there we go right wow. heads Andy Halliday tails is Hugh Keevans and it's Hugh Keevans you don't uh. get your wish it will be Hugh you are playing against um, but yeah 30 seconds on the clock to answer as many questions as you can remember you can pass if you're struggling that should help you out I'm actually told that the pundits lost 3-2 last week and we gave out all of our signed balls that we had left so more had to be ordered in so the pundits need to do a lot better this week there'll be right. another one going out the door shortly right okay Darren are you are you ready? yep Oh, sorry, we need to make sure that Hugh cannot hear us. There we go. Right, Clyde 2 in Hugh's ear and uh, ready to go. After Kyogo, who's scored the most league goals for Celtic this season? Abada. Who's played the most league games for Rangers this season? Sorry, second. Who's played the most league games for Rangers this season? Pass. Uh, Lauren Shanklin scored his only Scotland goal against which side? Pass. Who did Hamilton beat in the final of the SPFL yeah. Trust Trophy yesterday? Yeah. Which Scottish Premiership player started for Cyprus against Scotland on Saturday? Pass. Which team did Ryan Porteous join in January? Watford. In what year did Billy Gilmore leave Rangers for Chelsea? 2018. Okay, right. Hugh, can you hear us? I can. Okay, okay, right. Okay, let's get underway. <sighs> After Kyogo, who scored most league goals for Celtic this season? Um, Abada. Who's played the most league games for Rangers this season? Um, Goldson. Uh, Lorna Shanklin scored his only Scotland goal against which side? Pass. Who did Hamilton beat in the final of the SPFL Ray Trust Throbles. Trophy? Uh, which Scottish Premiership player started for Cyprus against Scotland on Saturday? Gogic. Which team did Ryan Porteous join in January? Watford. In what year did Billy Gilmore leave Rangers for Chelsea? 2019 Right, okay Darren, how do you think it went? Um, I think he's just better okay. 
Okay, well, we'll go through them. The first one was after Kyogo, who scored the most league goals for Celtic this season? The correct answer is Lille Abada. So it's one all at that point. Who's played the most league games for Rangers this season? James Tavernier. James Tavernier. Oh. Correct. You both got it wrong. So it stays at one all. Lauren Shanklin scored his only Scotland goal against which side? You both got it wrong. Do you know that one? Pharaohs. San Marino. Oh, San Marino. So it stays at one all. Who did Hamilton beat in the final of the SPFL Trust Trophy yesterday? You both went for Ruth Rovers. You both got it right. Which Scottish Premiership player started for Cyprus against Scotland on Saturday? You passed this one, Darren. Alex yeah. Gogic. It was. Hugh got it right, so he takes the lead. Which team did Ryan Porteous join in January? You both got Watford. And you both got one final question in. In what year did Billy Gilmore leave Rangers for Chelsea? And you both got it wrong, which means Hugh wins by one. Oh, well done, man, well done. All there right, Darren, thank you. Gracious scruffy, and defeat. Scruffy, scruffy, but who cares? A lot more gracious <laughs> and defeat than some of the others are here on, on here, especially <laughs> Gordon DL. But there we go, that is a win. The pundit's off to a good start this week, but thank you to Darren for taking part. We'll see... If, uh, we'll see how many signed balls are left in the studio by the time this week is out. Right, 01419511025 if you want to get in touch. Um, let's hear from some of the players, shall we, from the weekend. Let's, let's go for Callum McGregor, of course, his 50th cap. So let's hear what he made of that performance at the weekend. Yeah, brilliant. You know, he could not for a better day. Um, it was obviously really important to, to start the campaign well. Um, Three points, clean sheet, that's what you want. So we, we take that and, and move on to Tuesday. What does it mean to you personally getting to that 50th cap? Do you ever envisage that coming? Um, obviously, as it was getting closer, you, you start to think about it. But um, you know, I said that earlier to, to play once for Scotland would have been a dream come true, and, and that would have been enough. But um, to, to make it to 50 today is, is obviously a special moment for me, my family. Um, you know, something I've worked really hard for and, and I'm delighted and, and really proud. We all know that you can play endless games a season. You've got another 50 caps in you? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Maybe get too over that point. Um, but, you know, I just want to play as, as long as I can and, and keep trying to help the team if I can. Yeah, 50 caps is extremely impressive for anyone. I think Callum McGregor didn't even earn his first cap until he was 24. Is that no, right? No. In, in 2017. So the fact that, you know, he's, he's now at 50, he's only 29 at the moment, you'd expect he'll go on to get many more. The back half of Callum McGregor's career has been nothing short of magnificent for him. Uh, you know, to replace a man like Scott Brown, who won as much as he did as Celtic captain, and to replace him in the fashion in which Callum McGregor has done, uh, is of tremendous credit to him. His Scotland displays, the 50th cap, a place in the Hall of Fame, he deserves all of it. And just to expand the conversation a little bit, he's got one more game on that dreadful pitch at Hamden to play uh, before Celtic resume uh, what will be a hectic few weeks, beginning with Ross County away on Sunday, and then, of course, we know about three games against Rangers in quick succession. The pitch is a disgrace. Uh, and not just Callum McGregor, Ryan Jackson there as well. Uh, the fans will be holding their breath that no one gets hurt as a result of that dodgy pitch. Yeah, do you think the pitch had much of an impact on the game? It certainly did look slow. It's it, it's not as bad as it was in the League Cup semi-finals. That's certainly where the Hamden pitch was at its worst. It looked as if it improved for the League Cup final, but it did cut up quite a bit. It looked quite slow. It did cut up again at the weekend. Yeah, I mean that's what I was going to say. It certainly didn't look as in dire a state as it did in the in the, in the League Cup semi-finals. But 
listen, it's a national stadium pitch. It shouldn't even be in the position it is now, never mind the one at, uh, in the state was in at the League Cup semi-final. So I'm not too sure what the reasons are for it. Uh, I don't think it's going to be improved much going into the t- tomorrow night. To be fair, I think for this one it's going to probably suit us more than it was. Maybe it's just a tactic to stop Spain from uh, trying Passing to pass us off the park. Yeah, yeah. Quite potentially. Tell me, tell me this though, you, you you could give the professionals perspective on this. How You've looked at the pitch and you know that it's not the best. How difficult is it to have Falkirk play Inverness Cali in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup on the Saturday and 24 hours later on the same pitch, Celtic versus Rangers? Very difficult because for me I think quite often... You know, when you watch a pitch from the telly or for the stand, it looks better than it actually is when you're on the pitch. And then I, th- I think, like Andrew says, it's not till maybe the sort of 50th, 60th minute when it starts to cut up and you see chunks of grass flying, you see players losing their footing, when you realise that you know the pitch isn't quite in the state it needs to be. If you fast forward a 90-minute game, potentially 120, to then a day later, another big Scottish Cup semi-final, the pitch is going to be in an even worse state from the get-go. And you know, like I said, it's our, it's our, it's our national it's our national cup, it's our main cup, it's a big spectacle for everyone watching Scottish football. And the, the pitch should be in a much better state than it is. And, and Foster Coglu and Michael Beale have both had their say on the Hamden pitch. Uh, and nothing has been done to improve what's going on. So it, it can only be and, that this pitch is going to be a major talking point for the semi-final between Celtic and Rangers and I think they have made moves to improve it it's just that it's it's maybe not been as, as easy as they'd hoped yeah and, and for me that there's no excuse for that because you know when you talk about the League Cup semi-finals we watched two games on a really poor pitch and that it certainly affected the, the, the standard of the football we were watching and then 48 hours we were watching Darvo at home to Aberdeen who play in the, the West of Scotland with the best pitch of the weekend so I don't think there's any excuse for it and I know they're making strides to try and make it better uh, they were trying to make it better for the national setup, and it's improved slightly and they're going to improve it again for the, the Scottish Cup semi-finals How does it compare to the other sort of Scottish Premiership grass pitches that you've played on this season I suppose? Uh, to be honest I think the best pitch we've played on this season has been Ross County's I think Ross County's always is a, uh, is a good pitch it's quite firm underneath it doesn't really cut up as much uh, and I think you know, there's probably been issues in quite a few stadiums. I think even Celtic Park, to be honest, at times. Yeah, Andrew talked. To, it was a south around the time of the League Cup semi-finals as well, wasn't it? That yeah. he, he brought it up. Yeah, definitely. But um, no, Tynecastle's held up quite well throughout the season. Uh, but yeah, I think Ross County has always been one that's that's held. Listen, the main, imp- the biggest improvement of all times has been Motherwell's because I remember yeah. when I first started playing Scottish football, you were dreading that November December fixture at Fir Park the way that pitch cut up. They even sorted out the slope and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, let's go back to the phones 01419511025 I think we were going to speak to Brian who's just disappeared but we'll speak to John who is up next John's in Clyde Bank John, what have you got in your mind? Hi there, Pat. how are we doing? Yeah, how are you Andy? How are you doing? How are you doing, John? Not too bad, boys um, What is basically regarding the Scotland and Spain game um, I think Spain's worth it taking I mean, come on look at, look at, look at Scotland they were under I'll tell you what John that, that line isn't very clear We'll try and get the, the producer to uh, clear that up for us I, I'll take John's first sentence Spain are there for the taking That yeah. that sentence uh, should be banned Straight away because you know, it, it's, maybe, maybe it's just optimism Hugh You should try it sometime Well maybe it's just disrespectful <laughs> uh, You know you, you can't just say They're there for the taking They've just won 3-0 at the weekend as well Same as Scotland uh, so first of all, I, I understand optimism, but optimism has to come with common sense, and you can't just say they're there for the taking. It doesn't make sense. John, I think we've got you back now. 
Hello, how are you doing? There we go, hello. There we go, better signal now. Um, basically, I think Spain's worth the taking, guys. Basically, I think um, this Scotland team, they're all got great confidence at the moment. I think the main man is going again. He's outstanding. I think I'm going to have to jump in there, John, because the, the line isn't too clear but I, I got your point there you were saying that, that John McGinn is the main man we we have talked about him already but you know it, he is just such an influential player for Scotland where does he fit into the game tomorrow night Andy because we've seen him in that role where he's he's up supporting the striker he's, he's making runs into the six yard box to to finish things off will he play the same kind of role against Spain I hope so but I think you know the beauty of John McGinn is he's got so many attributes I think you know, I don't really see a major weakness in his game. I think he's, you know, he's got legs. He's got athleticism. He uses his, that famous backside very well out of possession. I think in possession, he's he's obviously got the onus to get forward, join attacks, burst into the box, and score goals. And that's why he has, you know, had twenty two goal involve, uh, involvement since Steve Clark's got the job. And you know, you look at the next best after that, it's, it's Lyndon Dykes with ten. So it's almost double. So he's certainly been Scotland's talisman. And I think no matter where he's deployed in the game tomorrow night, I think he is probably the first name in any sort of Scotland team sheet and has been for a, uh, a couple of seasons now but I do hope we see him in that more advanced role and, and being a bit brave and breaking into the box because he's been a goal for it for us You talk about talisman he's been Steve Clark's personal talisman uh, and therefore you don't touch a thing just let him play where he is at his best uh, the potential is always there for a goal uh, John the caller is from Clydebank John the player is from Clydebank and every time he pops up on the telly my wife still says is that the wee boy McGinn that lived down the road from us? Well, let's hear from the man himself. We've ended the hoodoo of the, the opening qualification, the opening game of qualification campaigns, and even though I'm being fussy and, and picky, it's a, it's a big three points. Uh, PTSD from the Euros at that back stick, so um, thankfully I got that in. In the house, I'm looking up. Uh, when I get here, I'm focused on trying to get us to, to the Euros. Uh, no matter who scores, I'm delighted, but honestly, I don't mind if, <laughs> if I don't get there, but as long as we're helping the team, and the main goal for, for me and for Scotland is to get to Germany. Yeah, more goals than James McFadden. He's now chasing yeah. the likes of Ali McCoist, Kenny Miller. Yeah. You know, the, these are players that were huge for Scotland. And, and John McGinn, people will reflect in the future about, you know, his contribution for Scotland. But just simply the fact that his, he scored nearly as many goals as those players is quite something. Yeah, I mean, he's two away from Kenny Miller. And I think three or four away from Ali McCoist. Now, Ali McCoist, legendary Scottish footballer. Uh, Kenny, you know, the 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 ultimate, the consummate professional, but they're going to get overtaken by John McGinn because he too is the consummate professional, and he plays an awful lot more international football than they did. Uh, I, I can't help but feel that he'll leapfrog the two of them, and not very long from now. But John, don't call it the back stick. I hate that. <laughs> Why do, what's wrong with the back stick? His mother was a school teacher. She'll now be marking his homework very carefully in future. Back post. I, th- I think he's done all right. I think he's done enough to to get let off with a with a few words. Uh, with a, a, a warning. Yeah. It's a yellow. Don't I'm certainly going certainly going to let him off if he keeps scoring goals. That's for sure. Like I said earlier, fifty three caps, sixteen goals, one in every three. And for someone who's only really been playing that advanced role for Scotland over the last sort of campaign or two, it's a it's a remarkable it's a remarkable uh, output. I think Steve Clark maybe had his tongue in his cheek when he said it after the game, but he, w- he was saying, "Oh, you know, maybe maybe I need to get a bit of credit for you know the role I've I've played John in," and then went on to say afterwards that that you know John deserves so much credit himself. But he is right; it's something that we hadn't really seen 
from John McGinn before essentially playing as an attacking midfielder I think people knew that he could do both sides of the game but actually the fact that he is up there as a supporting striker a lot of the time it was a good spot by Steve Clark. Yeah and I think you know we talked about formations and style of plays and I think you know, certain styles and certain formations suit certain players and I think with the freedom that John McGinn's got on Steve Clark's side I think he's reaping the rewards for it and I think we've seen a, a huge upturn in, in Scottish international form from a lot of players but I don't think no more so than, than that man John McGinn that's for sure uh, Let's go back to the phones uh, Laurie is in Deniston Laurie what have you got for us tonight? Uh, panel good evening uh, thank you for taking my call uh, My thoughts on the game tomorrow are that historically Spain has always been a team that has played possession-based football. And I would doubt that that is likely to change tomorrow. In fact, I'll boldly predict, before a ball is kicked in earnest tomorrow, that Spain will probably keep the ball anywhere between 70 to 80% of the time. Now, if that's the case, then obviously it means that uh, if we have limited opportunities, uh, we have to make the most of them. And I think that could best be served if we played when we get the ball, we're able to break with speed going forward. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't play Lyndon Dykes tomorrow. I know he's a big physical guy. He's 100% a, a tall, but uh, he's glacial-like in his movements without being unkind to him. Uh, I would go for Che Adams and Jacob Brown. Well, Che Adams uh, is out the squad, Laurie, so he can't play. He? Well, uh, you, thanks for enlightening me. I wasn't aware of that, you know. But certainly Jacob Brown and A.N. another, John McGinn, of course, uh, as a utility forward breaking uh, from midfield. Uh, so I think it's vitally important that when we do get the ball, and I think that's likely to be very limited, uh, we're able to make the, the most uh, of the few opportunities that present themselves. The panel still is. It, it stands to reason that, uh, in all probability, Spain will have more of the ball than us. Um, I, I would persevere with Dykes I think he can just be a nuisance uh, Sufficient to make space for others uh, If not He occasionally scores the What was it, 10 goals did you say Andy? Oh sorry Dykes 10 goal involvements Yeah, 10 goal involvements Well, you know I, I don't think you know, you're, I think Laurie's placing an awful lot of trust in Jacob Brown and we, don't, we simply don't know his capabilities With Laurie talking about pace and, and getting up the park how crucial will Andy Robertson and well, whether it's Aaron Hickey or potentially Nathan Patterson be on the other side and doing that? That was going to be my point I think when you're talking about you know, the limited possession that Scotland might have and you're talking about breaking at, uh, breaking at pace and, and who can hurt Scotland I think a big onus is on the wing backs to do that uh, and you know if you do have a Lyndon Dykes up there it's then his job to hold the play up a sufficient amount of time to get your wing backs involved so the beauty of football is Laurie you only need 1% to score a goal so you know, whatever percentage of possession that Scotland may have they, they certainly need to make it count Well thank you to Laurie 01419511025 we'll hear from you next and also we'll get a full time teaser up and running as well Taking your calls on Scottish football 0141-951-1025 This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard Andy Halliday and Hugh Keevans in the studio tonight And they are about to take on the full time teaser I hope we are going to speak to a cup winning manager as well In a few minutes as well But let's get this full time teaser up and running Hugh and Andy, can you name the nine Scotland players who have exactly one Scotland cap under Steve Clark? 
So the caveat to that is they could have been capped more than once, but they've only won one cap under Steve Clark, and that's it. Eamon Brophy. Correct. Eamon Brophy got his cap against Cyprus in Steve Clark's first game. Andy Ralston. No. Angus Gunn. Correct. Uh, There we go. A nice easy one. Angus Gunn. So that's two of nine. I'll give you one more guess each. Stuart Finlay. Stuart Findlay is a very good shout Played against San Marino in October 2019 Go on then Andy <laughs> ah, Sorry we'll leave it there We'll leave it there That's a good start You've got three of nine Can you name nine Scotland players Who have exactly one Scotland cap under Steve Clark? Feel free to play along at home At Clyde SSB as well But let's go back to the phones Because I'm delighted to say We are joined by Hamilton manager John Rankin John how are you? Andrew, I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm all good, all good. Good to hear from you. First of all, congratulations on your win yesterday. Thank you very much. It was uh, we done it the hard way. Let's just say that <laughs> three substitutes uh, before half, or at half before half time rather, uh, and then obviously sending off in the second half. Yeah, talk us through it. I mean, what was going through your mind? I think was it 55 minutes you'd you'd gone down to 10 men. Yeah, well, obviously the game starts and you've got a game plan in your head, and then. Uh, your your main striker for the day uh, goes off injured and your winger's got a knock as well but he's trying to get through it so that's two stoppages gone have to take both off after 20 minutes uh, which is always difficult so the, the game plan kind of goes out the window you can't really prepare for these things um, and then obviously we lose M- Matthew Shields uh, just before half time had a, a knock on his knee but luckily enough he managed to get through at half time so we didn't weren't able to stop the game again so therefore we're allowed another sub and fortunately when Dan gets sent off we still had one uh, one sub up our, up our sleeve which was Brian Easton who obviously won the Scottish Cup with St Johnston an experienced defender and I thought the game at that time would suit him and to be fair Easton came on he had a new, a new baby he's a new a father for the first time uh, last week and then obviously coming on yesterday and leading us to, to Silverware was, was great for him Yeah not a bad week at all How about for, for you as well just what was that feeling like for yourself when that full time whistle went? <laughs> Listen, I've played in three finals and never won one, and I think I enjoyed playing more than what I did yesterday. It was it was nerve wracking. We went through every emotion possible, but at the end of the day, we got the result that that we were looking for. Uh, it was massive. Obviously, our, our league position at the moment is not great, um, and we're looking for a bit of momentum from the cup to to bring us through. So I was absolutely delighted for the players yesterday. They gave everything, and at times uh, for the last 40, 40 minutes, it was back to the wall. Uh, obviously we had six minutes injury time in the first half and another four in the second half so the fitness levels were good and I'm absolutely delighted for them I suppose is that the type of thing you talk about the league position that you hope will really kick you on with not too long left of the campaign yeah it has before we've used the cup as uh, a bounce basically uh, we've got a good good results in cup ties and then it's kicked us on in the league so uh, coming off the back of obviously lifting the trophy yesterday we're hoping it can give us a a kick start with eight games to go. We now face a, a, a really tough period, actually. We are uh, Saturday, Tuesday for the next three weeks. So uh, at this time of the season, it's difficult, especially when we don't carry a big squad as it is. But at, at this stage of the season, when it, when you are, in, are having really meaningful fixtures, then you've got a chance to, to continue a run or, or bounce back pretty quickly. I did see your uh, comments in your, your post-match interview. Did you get much sleep last night? I slept on the couch. <laughs> 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 no, I listen, my, my, 
my wife and, and kids were at the game, obviously. Uh, so I made a, a tongue-in-cheek comment, and obviously it's went viral. So I was in the bad books for a wee bit, but luckily Maria's okay now. I, th- I think, uh, John, it might be a case of a fertile imagination. Would it? <laughs> <laughs> you, I, 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 do you know what I was really impressed with? I was really impressed with my math. How that came off the top of my head so quickly, I haven't got a clue, but we managed to get there. But you, that league that you're in, the championship, you know, you've you've got a game in hand, or is it two games in hand over a broth? We've got a game in hand over a broth, and a, two games in hand over Cove. And then you look at the our broth Queens Park game, and only Coyle side lose one nil to our broth. Your league makes no sense at times. <laughs> it doesn't. No, but that's the championship. Obviously, uh, anyone can beat anyone in a day, it, and that makes it an exciting league for me. I've always said it. Uh, even when I played in the Premier League, I think the Championship's the most exciting. Anyone can win it, and anyone can be, can find themselves at the bottom after a bad run of results. But this season, I think we've went to uh, Inverness when Inverness were at the top, probably about October time, and we beat them. And we were near the bottom at the time. Uh, and, and that just shows you anyone at the bottom can beat any, anybody at the top as you've seen it in Friday night again we are both beating Queen's Park and although the neutrals probably surprise when you're involved in the league nothing surprises you Ranch, congratulations mate uh, the guys have touched on it obviously three, four substitutions down to ten men how much did you have to thank your, your goalkeeper Ryan Fulton what a performance he put in thanks Andy I appreciate that no, listen Phil, I, I say it all the time Fultz has been absolutely brilliant uh, for us this season, and at times I'm 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 not exaggerating when I'm saying he, he, he's been keeping the, the, the score down. We've, we've took some some really rough defeats with, with at Morton and again at uh, Queens Park uh, earlier in the season. But since the turn of the year, we've added to the squad. We've got some real strength and real character. But behind them, I think we've got, as I said, the best goalkeeper in the league. And yesterday he was called upon three and four times the second half, and his saves are, are outstanding. Uh, when he comes from off the line and he's got those that, those big arms that can stretch and he really takes the pressure off. I was delighted for him yesterday, but the defence in front of him had a, had a tough shift the second half uh, and listen, the, the players gave us everything, so I'm absolutely delighted for him. On a purely personal level, the crowd at New Douglas Park have once or twice told you where to go. Uh, how much did it mean to you to, to give them a trophy yesterday? Yeah, well, the supporters are, are everything behind the club. Our club's a community club. It's based around its academy, trying to bring youth players through. So that's always going to be the case in the heart of the club. They have told me where to go a few times, but I don't get caught up in that. I try to, I try to put that to one side. And there has to be a clear vision, and it's a case of can we keep our message to the players consistent? Can we be clear? And can we make that constant where... We're not giving them any breathing space. We've got a lot of young players. We're still learning the game, as am I, as a young manager. Uh, but what we have to do is we have to stay together. And I, I think everyone's seen that But yesterday. In the second half, we overcame adversity. We were struggling at times, but everyone was pulling together. So, yeah, the, the comments, uh, they'll always happen. It doesn't matter what level you're at, but it's it's having a, a strong belief in what you're doing and, and it being the right thing to continue. Brilliant, John. Thanks for taking the time. Well done again. Cheers, guys. Thank well you. Done, John. Well done, Mike. That was, of course, Hamilton boss, cup winning, SPFL Trust Trophy winning boss, John Rankin. They are, it's one of these competitions that I think clubs of, or sort of fans of, of bigger clubs will maybe turn their nose up at. But yeah. for a club like Hamilton, who don't win many trophies, yeah. that, it's absolutely massive for the fan base, for the players, for John. 
That's why I said when we were going over the, the highlights of the weekend, this is a game for the people. Uh, and those fans, yeah, they blow hot and cold. Many an Aki's manager has been given the treatment that John Rankin got earlier in the year. Uh, but he gave them an excuse to have a right good Sunday night. Uh, and, uh, you know, you always have to take these moments because the bad moments will find you in football. You don't need to go looking for them. They'll find you. So you might as well take your successes like that in the best manner possible. I'll tell you what, I'm glad that neither of you two were listening towards the end of last week because I've had a text from Gordon DL and also seen a tweet that apparently this exact teaser <laughs> was used on Thursday night last week. Which was all of them? The full-time teaser, apparently so, yeah. Well, on Thursday night I was at St Andrews Sporting Club for the boxing, so I I have my excuse. You know what, neither of you, neither of you were listening, so that's all good, it's fine. We'll continue on. And uh, we'll get to that a bit later on. Let's go back to the phones. George is in Southampton. George, uh, what are you? What are you thinking tonight? What's on your mind? Uh, good evening, panel. Um, uh, just to correct you on uh, your first point, I'm not. I'm back in Glasgow, uh, so uh, I'm calling from uh, my my hometown. There you um, go. Yeah, you going to the game tomorrow, George? No, uh, unfortunately not, because uh, I'm a. I'm working as a social worker, so I'll be listening to the game. Um, yeah, I've, I've just got uh, one question, and it was something that one of the callers had uh, pointed out about Jacob Brown. Um, I'm not sure, you know, playing Jacob Brown against Spain is a good idea. Why not? Well, it's lack of, you know, international experience. Um, kind of concerns me a bit. I would, you know, I would rather the Orton Shanklin um, played uh, instead of Jacob Brown because he's, he's experienced with the Scotland squad. He's on a bit of form, um, and if Lyndon Dykes weren't fit enough, he would be my ideal replacement. The other, the other point I wanted to make. We'll was take that first, George, and I'll, I'll let you come back in. George talking about Jacob Brown not being experienced enough. I'm not saying he is going to start or he's not going to start, but you mentioned earlier about the the trust Steve Clark has in his players and the fact that Jacob Brown has been in, in numerous squad shows that Steve Clark trusts him to some extent enough to throw him in against Spain. No, not for me. Uh, and you no, know, like you said, I touched on it earlier. I think you look at a number of players. Uh, you know, Stephen O'Donnell's came under a, a lot of criticism, some fair, some unfair. But Steve Clark was that one sort of constant that stuck by him, and then he reaps the rewards of England performance and, and some of his performances in the Euros. I think we've seen it with other players. Grant Hanley's came under some pressure at times as well, and I think that quite often he's stuck loyal to players that have done well for him in big games. And uh, you know, Lyndon Dykes has done that, so I don't think there's any doubt for me that. That Lyndon Dykes will come back and start the oven tomorrow. I'm asking someone that is your teammate, so I think I know what the answer is going to be. But I deserve it to call up for Lauren Shankland. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, and I suppose there's, I'm going to be slightly biased, but I was surprised not to see him in the original squad. Uh, you know, maybe because he had that sort of 
Hamstring injury Missed a couple of games That came into play But I think it's uh, Certainly a Scotland's benefit That he's been called upon now And you know I've touched on it How good and how strong Scotland's squad is just now So the fact that A, a 21 goal striker Couldn't get in the first place Just shows how strong we are At the moment Yeah that's It's a good point Because you know Someone like Shea Adams Dropping out Who mm. starts the game is, is the one that Steve Clark Has picked to start the game On Saturday He goes out But Lauren Shankland Of course is, is very capable He's scored for Scotland already Has plenty of goals for Hearts I'd take him in preference to Jacob Brown if it comes to that but I believe we'll start with uh, Lyndon Dykes and changes will be minimal from the game against Cyprus George what was your other point you were going to make yeah um, uh, my last point was um, I'd quite like to you know see uh, Billy Gilmore get uh, some game time on Tuesday I mean, obviously we've got a strong midfield and she could be like uh, a, a player that can come in in the last 15-20 minutes to give that extra energy I know he's not been given much, uh, a, much of a chance at Brighton but we all know his potential uh, when it comes to playing for Scotland and he's got a good partnership with Nathan Patterson as well so he can add some extra impetus in that midfield as the game's you know, nearing the last 20 minutes so I'd quite like to see Billy Gilmer get a chance because I think he was on the subs bench against Cyprus yep. uh, he's, he's, he's so far out of things at the moment Billy Gilmer he wasn't really in things though when he started at Wembley and put in a man of the match display against England. I'm not saying he's going to get thrown in, but he he wasn't really playing domestic football at the time and, yeah. and went in and did fantastically well. You know, George is looking into the future here. You know, the last 15 minutes that Billy Gilmer might be the last thing we need for the last 15 minutes. We'll need to see how the game is progressing. Um, I just think that Billy Gilmer had he needs to think again with regard to his club career because Norwich didn't work out Brighton isn't working out and he needs a, a fresh impetus somewhere Steve Clark said something interesting at the start of this camp that kind of stuck with me and he said that there's maybe some players in this squad that he's picked that he's potentially been too loyal towards but has picked them because he sees them having a, a big future at international mm -hmm. level you would expect that Billy Gilmore is, is one of the ones he was talking about Yeah and one thing we will say is you know Although it's not been quite happening for him over the last couple of years, I think we've all seen his potential. And Steve Clark will see that better than anyone when he's in the squads and he's training day in, day out. Uh, and listen, it just shows it's another great option for Steve Clark. It's another great option for Scotland because he's a boy with bags of ability. Uh, we're probably yet to see it on a consistent basis at club level. And I think that is the next step for him. He needs a real run of games at uh, domestic football to really kick on and, and start to show that potential that we all see on a regular basis. But... I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that Billy Gilmore's going to be a massive player for Scotland over the next decade. Well, thank you to George. Let's get back to the full-time teaser that definitely wasn't used last Thursday as well and no one, none of us <laughs> heard of it. Uh, can you name the nine Scotland players who have exactly one Scotland cap under Steve Clark? Look, it's, it's a different question because Angus Gunn's been added to that list since then. So you've got him, you've got Stuart Finlay and you've got Eamon Brophy. You have six more to get. Uh, I, I mentioned him earlier and I'm, I'm not sure if he's got zero, one, or 2 but um, Lewis Ferguson no, no Lewis Ferguson has been capped more than once Nathan by Steve. Patterson Nathan Patterson oh, no, Nathan Patterson's played loads for Scotland come on you um, one cap I wouldn't beat the pundit shut up <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Nisbet no no I'm toiling then Greg Taylor uh, Greg Taylor no Greg Taylor's got lots of caps for Scotland what are you talking about 
Is he? He, he has played a few times under uh, Steve Clark, yeah. Again, this guy could have a few under Steve Clark, but I can only really remember the one because it was the first one he came back and played, and I've got to go with John Suter. John Suter, no. Oh, I'm struggling then. Right, okay, I will get more answers from you after the break. If you want to give us a call, 01419511025. Number one for football in Glasgow and the West. 0141-951-1025 Clyde One Super Scoreboard Andy Halliday and Hugh Keevans with me Andrew McLean in the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard 0141-951-1025 if you want to get in touch a bit of work to be done on this teaser which people have kindly pointed out to us was also used last Thursday as well but you know what we'll power through because Neither of you heard it. Thanks for listening to the oh, show, guys. We've proved that, that's for yep. sure. I was uh, into the box and I've told you that twice now. Can you name the nine Scotland players who have exactly one cap under Steve Clark? So you have Angus Gunn, you've got Stuart Finlay, and you've got Eamon Brophy. Six to get? Alan, uh, Alan Campbell. Alan Campbell, yes. Correct. He got his cap against Armenia. Uh, John McLaughlin. John McLaughlin, yes, the only goalkeeper on the list. That is what four more to get. I'll take another answer from you. Lewis Morgan. Uh, Lewis Morgan, no. Actually, three more to get. Yeah, three more. Aye. Oh no, four. Sorry, four more to get. Matt McNaughey. No, he was capped under McLeish. A couple of caps at the end of McLeish's tenure. Gary McKay Stephen. No, 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 no. Oh, you. Right. Um, you think, get on my nerves now. You <laughs> know that. Chuck and Kenny Dalglish as well. <laughs> think defenders. <laughs> think defenders, and we'll go to Graham in the East End. Graham, a big game tomorrow night. What are you thinking ahead of it? Um, that's probably the best question you could ask. Uh, good evening, panel. Um, massive, massive, um, massive game tomorrow. And there's a few there's a few points. So I'll I'll try I'll try and start at the beginning and then get to the end. I know that sounds a bit crazy, but um, it actually sounds very logical, Graham. To be honest. Well, okay, thanks for that. Thanks for that. I did go to school. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I spoke to the producer, and it's to do with basically the I would say the back line or the or the back low line in Scotland, and obviously the the goalkeeping situation. I think you touched on it the other night. Um, I can't remember what night that was. I think Kenny Miller said the exact same. I mean, you've got three, you've got three untried goalkeepers. So let me fast forward, and I'll come back to that. Craig Gordon was was your number one, and Marshall was probably his number two. So are we are we that bad in an element of football with grassroots? And I remember this going back to Hamden when, when the Dutch guy was looking after the Scotland setup. I can't remember his name. If you're listening me right now. But, but bouncing back, a wee, it might sound a wee bit inconsolable to a certain person. But and it's gun. Is, is, is he is he the answer for the Scotland setup? I mean that that's that's my first. Well, we, point. we I mean we Steve, Steve have, Clark seems to think so anyway. Sure. Yeah, I mean we were once really well off in that department, and then Alan McGregor retired from international football. Craig Gordon had his awful injury, uh, and. David Marshall retired from international football as well. So we are back to the drawing board on that one. And I think that Steve Clark wanted to believe that Angus Gunn could be the man to hold down the job for the foreseeable future. He said one game, kept a clean sheet. We don't need to overthink this. Angus Gunn goes in to play against Spain tomorrow night. It's as simple as that. 
And clearly Angus Gunn Has the confidence of the manager A level of confidence that With respect to them Neither Liam Kelly Nor Xander Clark have Otherwise they would have been in before now So don't overthink it Angus Gunn plays tomorrow no, I'm not. I'm not overthinking it, Hugh. I think you're kind of you're mismanaging this. I am thinking it. I am thinking it because it's my team. It's a, I'm Scotland born and bred, you know, and I will, I will follow my nation, you know, till, till my heart dies. But my point being is, which I truly, with all respect, I think you've missed. Is 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 Mr. Gunn the, the, the next answer? Because where's the grassroots? Where's the guy behind? You know your Craig Gordons and your Marshalls and your Alan McGregors. We should touch on this here, hundred percent, hundred ten percent. Good, 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 good. Andy Gorham. I can keep going. I wonder if part of this is just how lucky Scotland have been over yeah. the last few years when it comes to goalkeepers, because we have had some top top players in that position: Craig Gordon, David Marshall, Alan McGregor. And, you know, I think Graeber's point is that he just doesn't feel the options at the moment. Maybe stack up to those players. They had big, I was going to say boots or, or gloves to fill, certainly. But Angus Gunn is the man that, that Steve Clark has yeah. appears to have chosen to, to take over. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Graham's point, though. I, and, I, and I take it into isolation because I don't think he's meaning just the goalkeeping scenario because he quite rightly pointed out some of the goalkeepers we've had. It's probably been our strongest department as a, as a national side for a... For a for, at least, at least a decade anyway. But you know, I, I seen the stat the other week about the number of Scottish players that are playing domestically in Scottish football. Uh, I think you look at, you, know, you look at Celtic squad for how strong it is. You look at Rangers squad for how strong it is. There's not a lot of Scottish internationals or, or, or sorry, uh, sorry, Scottish young players in there. You know, even my own club, Hearts, Hibs. I think right now I don't see a lot of young, exciting Scottish players coming through. And listen, there may be there may, there may be times for that uh, in academies up and down the country, but I'm a big, big believer in the development of Scottish football, and I see a lot of teams, a lot of clubs with you know players at under fourteen, under fifteen, under sixteen levels where you think they've got a big, big future in the game, and then when it comes to the hit the the ages of eighteen, nineteen, twenty, just don't quite reach the heights that 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 we want and what we expect. So I I, I do worry about that. I while, do worry about that myself. While the goalkeeping pool has diminished with the loss of David Marshall McGregor and Gordon at the same time we've produced some of the best fullbacks we've ever had in, in Hickey Robertson, Tierney uh, Nathan Patterson Just Boyd coming through as well Yeah, in Serie A these things happen, we, we can't get a, a, an out and out Scottish centre forward to save our lives uh, but at the same time, clubs like Celtic and Rangers are involved in trying to keep tens of thousands of people happy and qualify for the Champions League and make money. So if your top striker at one club happens to be Japanese and your top striker at another club is a Colombian, then that's just the way it is. But we are not producing the players. Look at our under-21 team. Very poor. We've had another... Going over from Wales in midweek in yeah, a friendly three 0 yesterday it was yeah, actually yeah. and then it was a three two defeat to, to Sweden yeah. on Thursday. Look, this is the type of topic that you wish would come up earlier on the show because we've only got a few minutes left. I think there's there's definitely time for for that type of discussion at, at more length in the future. Certainly, Graham, okay. it's, a, it's an interesting point. What what was your other point that you wanted to make? Uh, basically, just Andy stole my thunder. Um, there's nobody coming through. 
Um, I don't mean there's nobody coming through. I'm sure there is people coming through, like you touched on your Nathan Parsons, your Billy Gilmore's, etc., etc. Came back to grassroots, and I'm, I'm, and Andy's a professional. He played for my club, the love of my life, Rangers. You know, he's he's really bad team, the New Hearts, so the other Rangers. I be joke. Um, yeah, he he touched he touched base on as I say, stole my thunder. There, there's nothing coming through. I I, I can't. My my young cousin plays for under seventeen at Rangers, uh, Steve McLean. So I can I I don't remember the last conversation I had with him. Now there's this new striker coming involved, or this new defenders coming involved. From Andy's point of view, I just think the grassroots thing, and and, and I'll leave this with the panel. I just think the grassroots, as Andy said, the grassroots thing is it's, it's not it's not progressing the way it should. They come through. And then, like Ben Doak, Liverpool get them at the age of 16. And by the time he's 17, he's appearing periodically in Liverpool's first team. Liam Morrison was coming through at Celtic and now he plays in the Bundesliga. That's what happens. They are coming through. The clubs can't hold on to them. Yeah, a lot of that is to do with sort of Brexit rules and the fact that, that bigger clubs are now looking within the UK, the English clubs looking at, at young players within the UK. That is certainly an interesting discussion. Thank you to Graham. I'm sure we'll get into that in a bit more detail, but that's that's time. Essentially, we've got to get work on this teaser. Can you name the nine Scotland players who have exactly one cap under Steve Clark? You've got Angus Gunn, Alan Campbell, Stuart Finlay, John McLaughlin, Eamon Brophy. I think I've got two and then I'm going to need some clues. Okay. Paul Hanlon. Paul Hanlon, yes. And Barry Douglas? No, oh, but think know. Paul Hanlon and another Hibs. Where's Stevens? Where I used to play for Hibs. Um, Paul McGinn. Yes, Paul McGinn. Two more to get. One is a, a fullback who was at Aberdeen. Moved down south. Topical from what we were talking about. Youngster. Oh, Ramsey. Calvin Ramsey, and finally. A teammate of yours, Andy Halliday. Oh, you're joking. <laughs> Need That's to get it. We're running out of time. It's Stephen Kingsley. Thank you for all your oh, calls and all so your tweets. Thank ago. you to Andy Halliday and to Hugh Keevans. Stick around because Callum Gallagher is up next. <laughs> 